our first speaker, Toby, who will share their experience, strength, and hope for 15 minutes with an emphasis on OA unity. I'm Toby, a composer of OA. And um, I don't know how I got roped into coming here. <laughs> Uh, I guess what I wanted to say in the beginning is when you come into these rooms and you look around and you see people, what you see is not really what's here. And I wanted to show you what I used to be like when I came to OA because this, this is me and this is me and it's actually the same me but it represents an enormous shift in my personality, my behavior, and my willingness to uh, admit to the fact that I had an addiction, that I was shooting up uh, hot fudge sundaes, and uh, I was shooting up uh, uh, bagels and peanut butter and hot, hot chocolates. And um, so that girl in the pictures is about... Uh, 48, which is when I came to OA after trying absolutely everything known to man, 90 milligrams of dexedrine a day, uh, the, the ketones on Geary Street, very expensive, that one. And of course, my mother had me in a girdle when I was, I think, eight years old. And also, I was going to the uh, her... Um, her um, diet places and had massages when I was eight years old, So you, which is why nobody can even say the word massage to me. It's not my thing, because that was part of my childhood uh, with my mother trying to get me uh, prepared for the millionaire that I didn't actually marry. <laughs> and um, so the thing is that, uh, but I did marry a rich man, of course. <laughs> and uh, the thing is that, um, so I got to OA because one of my students 12-stepped me. She had the nerve of coming up to my desk and asking me if I wanted to go to an OA meeting with her. We weighed the same amount, around 300 at the time, and I thought, this is some nerve that she should think I'm fat, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, she 12-stepped me. I owe my life to her, so I just want to say it that way. And I went to the meeting, and I, I went with her, and I hated it. Everybody was hugging at the end. Everybody was talking about God. Nobody really was talking that much about food. They were talking about the husband did this wrong and that wrong, and somebody was talking about lying. And I'm like, this is crazy. These people are all crazy. And I have nothing in common with these people at all. And, um, you know, I studied Latin when I was young. I speak French. I speak Greek. I'm different from everyone else. So I dropped out. I didn't come back. And she made me at 20 pounds. We were 20 pounds heavier <laughs> subsequent to that. And she came up to the desk again and said, Oh, I see uh, we're still uh, not doing that well. And she brought me, I said, all right, I'll go one more time. And somebody, something clicked. I heard the first step read. I heard the thought, uh, I heard the concept of powerlessness. And I also heard that 
at the time, this is uh, back in the day, there were no OA, uh, there was no OA literature, it was AA or bust, and everybody talked about the big book and the 12 by 12, and I got those books and I thought, I'm gonna give up the I Ching, this is a new language. And when the people were talking about at the meeting, step two, step 11, step nine, step four, this is like a whole new thing, you know? I mean, it's like uh, Korean or Japanese. You gotta start from scratch and figure out what is this all about? And I, when I heard powerlessness and I understood when they were reading somewhere that first four, three or four months, they were reading about the alcoholic that could, that thought maybe he could give up wine and vodka but still drink beer and gin. This was the problem. I began to understand that the entire cookie aisle, the entire candy aisle, the entire hot fudge aisle, and the entire pie and pastry and so on aisle was just like the gin, the vodka, the beer, and the whatever the other one is I said, it's for the alcoholic, no can do. And I began to feel very connected to OA, which was patterned exactly after AA. Every alcoholic has to drink uh, uh, water or tea or coffee or whatever. It isn't like they put the plug in the jug and they don't ever drink again. They just don't drink gin. And of course, I am a compulsive overeater and I have to eat, but I don't have to eat the way I ate the day I came here. And that was what I began to, to understand was I am a low bottom OA person because no woman 48 years old wants to weigh 320 pounds or wants to break chairs when she goes to a restaurant or wants to be in a wheelchair maybe by the time she's uh, 60 or 70 or whatever. And so somebody got me by the, by the uh, arm and said, I'll be your sponsor, call me, I'll try to answer your questions, I'll show you the ropes and I'll, I'll, uh, we can talk. And I'm like, you know, I don't know what I'm gonna say and all that, or why should I wanna talk to her, you know, a stranger. And, the, the thing is, the service uh, in this program is really critical, and I have never hung up on an OA person in my life, and I encourage people to call me. I don't even have to know you. Just call and ask me, you know, whether you can have eight fruits a day. I have the answer for you. <laughs> Call and ask me if you can give up sugar and still drink wine. I have an answer that's gonna make you cry. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm always willing, and I like it now. I can, the last meeting I went to, I, was, I just took my cell phone and took a picture of the phone list. So I'm not like, well, I'll pick and choose and I'll uh, think, you know, I'll, maybe I'll try to just go down the list. Anybody who put their number on it is willing to take a call and maybe they're willing to make a call. 
And so this is what happened to me uh, at the age of 48 after being in the rooms and starting to cry because all these things came out about my life that I realized when I didn't have my uh, three hot fudge Sundays a day and all the things I was used to eating to prop myself up, I began to cry over all kinds of things that, that made me uh, fearful and unhappy. And, um, and um, one of them was just one little slight fact happened to be that I had a daughter and gave her up for adoption. That was a good one. That, that was a, at least worth 50 pounds, you know what I mean? <laughs> And I started crying over that, and and it was funny. It was like I started talking about it in the rooms, and I people kept saying, "Why are you on birth control pills?" You know, and I'm like, I always was worried uh, because uh, I wasn't on birth control pills once, and something happened that I had no control over, and I began uh, working. I actually went from step one to step three because I hated step two, it, it would identify some insanity. And I didn't like that. So I went right to step three. And my sponsor let me do it. She didn't care what order I did it, did it in. And then I actually did five right away by talking about my daughter to another human being, which was very, very earth-shattering for me because she looked at me and said, how lucky you are you had a baby. She had something positive to say. I could not believe this woman. She said something positive to me about something that had almost poisoned my whole life. Shame, et cetera, et cetera. What happened to the child? I had, a, I had an inventory list a mile long. In fact, I still do inventories about my daughter, even though my ninth step got to her, my written ninth step. And I've known my daughter 27 years now. And it's because of you guys that I found my daughter. I, I consider you guys are my OA for today. And so the thing that was interesting for me that happened was when I was 48 and I got here, I had never, ever had a character defect. This is a very, very amazing situation. And I found out in my in the Sunday morning meeting at Noe Valley Ministry that I had a character defect. It just about, it just about crushed me. And what happened was I had a roommate, he taught at Stanford, he was deadly allergic to cats. No wonder he was at the gym at the school all the time and never stayed home. We always had cats because I got my way. And I remember going home from the meeting and saying we had one cat and saying, we have to find a home for our cat. He practically fainted when I said it. And that began an enormously interesting um, thing for me where I learned how to do four and I learned how to do step 10 because step 10 is um, while I was working on uh, changing my food plan with the help of my sponsor and finding out all these new things I binged on. I can't eat cheese now, I can't eat nuts now, I don't eat grains now, I don't eat yogurt now, because there were a lot of things I overate on that just called me. I couldn't have one of them. I couldn't have a dollop of yogurt on my fruit I had to have the container. But the thing that was interesting was 
I love my character defects now. And it's kind of like a race to the top or the race to the bottom to see how fast I can get rid of them. And, and it all began when I was 48 and I found out that uh, I was self-centered to the extreme, which is a very big part of, uh, of my uh, program, is that I have the mind of an alcoholic and I have the character defects of every human being that walks the earth. So I really joined the human race when I got to OA because I'm fearful, I'm slothful, I, uh, I get angry, etc. And there are a hundred, there's a list of a hundred character defects and you could also call me and ask me which one you're on today if you want me to. Because that's another thing and that is, what does a sponsor do? Well, a sponsor has to be somebody that, that, um, that cares for you and that admires and respects you. But it's awfully nice to have somebody beside yourself to bounce something by. And uh, a sponsor is somebody you choose that has, uh, whose program you like and someone whom you think you could trust and feel comfortable talking to. So I will call my sponsor or I will call a fellow uh, OA person whom I admire and love and say, this is what happened today, was I right or wrong? And I'm waiting to hear the answer because two heads is better than one. It's not like uh, the controlling Toby has to go away. You know, the more ideas I get in there, the more opportunity to get to the right answer. And so I've learned that my higher power speaks through you guys. It speaks through other people. And I will very often say, well, I, I don't know whether to do right or left. I'm going to call this one or I'm going to ask my husband. I'm going to go outside myself and wait for the sign. I'm going to get the answer somewhere. I will know because my, the bell will ring. I will, I will feel like I know. And that's a big change for me too, because uh, since you know I always, I never had a character defect, then you, you need to know I was always right and I never needed anyone else's opinion. I hope you all understand that too. So that was an enormous change. So now you're looking at a changed human being. The thing is, I gave myself to my higher power, and I said, oh, I hope I can still be a painter, and you don't have to send me back to med school to learn how to be a surgeon. That would take a long time. But I'm open to what you have in store for me. God, do with me what thou will. Just don't let me be 320 pounds again, please, because it's too hard to move around and it was not a workable way to live. And, um, and uh, so I guess I wanted to mention my four and a half half packs of cigarettes a day too because uh, I had a very bad cigarette habit after I gave up the sugar and the flour, no more of the, those Chinese food things I used to eat lots of and I had to give up the grains. No, I don't eat the, the dark grain, the light grain, the sweet grain, the sour grain. I don't eat any grains. And it's been years. This is 35 years. Is that my bell? It's five, thank you. And uh, so the thing was, I went to an, a Smokers Anonymous meeting at the dry dock 
three times, and I found a gal who quit smoking three weeks before I did, and we called each other every day for two years. And I never picked up a cigarette again. And I cried the first month every day, like I was a petrified soul. But I ended up not not needing the cigarettes, and that's been uh, 30 years. What I'm describing to you about that woman that was so nice to me and said she would uh, be my first sponsor happened uh, 35 years ago. It was the 5th of January when she challenged me and said that um, she could give me a food plan that didn't have any sugar in it if I would be willing to try it for one day. And because she asked me what I binged on, and uh, I told her I binged on what all the things, uh, the sugar things were. And so um, I like to tell people what that first day was like and how she tricked me into uh, getting off sugar because I never ate uh, sugar again until uh, up until this moment, and I'm not planning on eating any uh, at the anywhere in the near future. And she assigned me, and I I did what she said because I was desperate. So I would encourage you to get a sponsor and don't think through it too much. Don't analyze yourself out of this program. She just told me, cook a chicken for breakfast, a chicken for lunch, and a chicken for dinner. You can't buy a cooked chicken because the skin sometimes has sugar on it. So I could eat a chicken for breakfast with vegetables, with salad, a chicken for lunch with vegetables, with salad, a chicken for dinner with vegetables, with salad, a fruit with breakfast, lunch, and dinner, a fruit between breakfast and lunch, a fruit between lunch and dinner, a bowl of popcorn late at night with butter on it. That was my first food plan. And she said, let me know if you make it without three hot fudge sundaes and a quart of hot chocolate and a box of donuts and blah, 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 what I used to have. Call me tomorrow and let me know if you made it for a whole day without sugar and we'll go from there. And I'm like, I was so busy cooking all day. <laughs> and uh, and uh, after, you know, I mean, I called her up. I'm like, it's a miracle I didn't have any sugar. She said, you're going to make it. You, don't, you can live without sugar. And, you know, after about 10 days, I started weighing. I weigh every morning uh, and I do a 10 step, written 10 step every morning. And, but after about 10 days, I told her, it's too much. Could I let, eat a little less? <laughs> and you know, she must have been dying laughing, but I was, this, I was suffering, you see. I was suffering like a dog, how to get, like a, a dog is grabbing my ankle, how to get away from this. This is what my addiction is. It's not a joke, it's a very serious thing. And I had tried everything else, everything. I went on a diet 900 times uh, a year. And so um, anyway, uh, I just wanted to tell you that I feel very, very blessed that uh, I'm here. I'll be 83 this year, and, and I'm not 48.
And I'll tell you, I brought my husband with me. He has seven more years than I do in another program, and I have tested his serenity. He's as serene as they come. <laughs> and I will tell you that we still dance around our dining room at night. We put Pandora on, and we uh, swing dance, and it's all because of you guys that I'm doing that. You guys, thank you very much for all the help you've given me. I'm very, very grateful. Very, very grateful. I don't come around that much now. I have a lot of arthritis here and there, and I'm a little lazy, and sometimes sometimes I think, aren't I done yet with this program? But I have a sponsor. She reminds me. And recently she said to me, I think you're getting agoraphobia if you can't go to meetings. You go everywhere else. <laughs> very, very mean. And I thought, gee, gee. It's just like when I tell somebody they can't drink wine because there's sugar in it. You hate to hear that, the truth. The truth is hard to hear. But I'm willing to listen because the truth is good. You know, it's good to have somebody else in your corner telling you what you should be doing and reminding you there's no graduation. So it's great to see you guys. Yeah.